ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio. I am Adam Green, and joining me is not Ronnie Stolfel. He's taking some time off because, well, let's be honest, he deserves to take some time off. He works hard. But instead, joining me is my good friend, a good Wildcat, Brett Barry. Brett, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thank you, Adam. Long-time listener, first-time podcaster. That's what we like to hear. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Um, Yeah, we are recording live from the Vivid Seats studio. You're not going to be listening to it live, of course, because it's a podcast, but we're recording live. And, Brett, let's get right to it. Let's start with Arizona basketball, because we like nice things. So we want to go with the good news first. Oh, is there, is there bad news? Is there? I mean, if with you Arizona call Arizona fast, football Arizona th- oh, oh, God, oh, oh, I can't hear you. No, I, <laughs> we are going to get to football later on. Don't get us wrong. Arizona does play Oregon this week, and that's just going to be awesome. But for something that's actually awesome, where I mean it, Arizona basketball. Brett, they're 2-0 to start. So we're recording this on Wednesday night. Arizona plays on Thursday, San Jose State. But Arizona is 2-0, and ranked number 19 in the nation. And we know their Chico State, Chico State exhibition wasn't great, but they won. Fine, it's an exhibition, doesn't matter. Then they played NAU and looked good. Then they played Illinois and looked great. This basketball team, it's still early. They're still relying on a lot of freshmen. But so far, the early returns are very positive. Oh, absolutely. The, the thing that stands out to me the most uh, in both the NAU game and uh, the Illinois game is this is the best ball movement I've seen from an Arizona basketball team, maybe in the entire, you know, Sean Miller era. Going you mean the uh, Alonzo Tria, Raleigh, Alkins, DeAndre Ayton team didn't move the ball better? I mean, they couldn't get the ball to DeAndre Ayton half the time. And Alonzo yeah, Trier that was, didn't work out so well. Alonzo Tria was really good at beating the guy in front of him, which is why his game translates so well to the NBA. Um, <laughs> and Though, to be fair, when Alonzo Trier was that hot minute when he was trying to show off point guard skills actually handled the ball and distributed fairly well but now arizona has a legitimate point guard in nico Mannion for the first time uh, probably since tj mcconnell but just as a freshman he looks like and he's still a freshman he's gonna have his bad games but like if you were kind of nervous about him after the nau game and he struggled in that game a little mm-hmm. bit he wasn't great man alive did he come out he was great against illinois he was their best player early and the only guy who kept them in the game when illinois was making all their threes and they're not a good three-point shooting team and all they were doing was right. making threes but nico kept them in it and then he was scoring he was assisting he was doing everything you watch him like there's a reason this guy was that highly thought of it's because he's that good absolutely you can see the offense just flows better when he's on the court uh it, like i said it harkens back in, in my mind to the old uh, point guard you were a type of uh type of players where you have a point guard that it has the full trust clearly of Sean Miller to kind of get out there and run and you can see that they've kind of he's that Sean Miller's kind of let the leash go a little bit and let when Nico's on the court at least you know let the on the offensive side let the the game come to them and then which is aligns with what Sean Miller really wants which is then focus on the defensive side <laughs> and that's what's funny Sean Miller I know after the game and he was talking he's like yeah I want to open it up a little bit more let these guys run and 
I'm sure there's a lot of Wildcats fans that's music to their ears because we've watched Arizona the last nine years or so, and it was a lot of play defense, rebound the basketball, but they weren't the Lou Dolson run up and down the floor, try to score 90 every game. And you wondered, is that just because it's Sean Miller's offense or because he didn't have the right pieces? And we'll see. It's early. They're two games into the season. Yes. <laughs> but certainly it's hard to imagine a team that has Josh Green, who was very good against Illinois and was making threes, has Zeke Nagy, who's a good big man who can run the floor, has Chase Jeter, who can run the floor, and you have a point guard in Nico Manning who can run that offense on the fast break. You also have multiple ball handlers. That's a big part of being able to run with the basketball. But it's hard to imagine this team not pushing the pace. Now, are they going to be scoring 90 every night? No. You know Sean Miller. At the end of the day, he's going to want to be like, you know what, play defense, rebound. If we have to win 65 to 50, we'll do that. That's how Sean Miller is going to be thinking. You know that. But this does have the makeup of a team that if there's ever going to be a Sean Miller team that gets out and runs with it and tries to push the ball a little bit more and makes a concerted effort to do so, it's this one. And it becomes it's because they have that point guard. Because last year, they didn't have that kind of point guard. And you know, Justin Coleman was fine, but he wasn't Nico Mannion. The year before that, Parker Jackson Cartwright, he was fine. He wasn't Nico Mannion. Again, the last guy that hit who was like this would have been T.J. McConnell. And even McConnell probably, and this is coming off of a game where Mannion scored 23 points. I get that. But even McConnell probably wasn't as good of an offensive player as Nico Mannion appears like he might be. Well, Nico... At least a score, anyway, not yeah, offensive, but a score. Gonna, I was going to say, the difference between Nico Mannion and T.J. McConnell, at least at this point on the offensive side of the ball to me, is that... Nico Mannion is consistently a scoring threat, more so than TJ. TJ McConnell is more of the, he's, he's operating from the Steve Nash mentality of I want to distribute first. And that's not to say that Nico Mannion doesn't seem to want to do that, but it's a little bit more balanced. Yeah, nine and, assists against Illinois. Yeah, but it, I mean he's he is the epitome of a facilitator. But if you're if you're a threat to score, I mean those floaters against Illinois were just a thing of beauty. Well, the broadcasters kept being like, "Oh, this is an NBA move." I'm like, stop. <laughs> don't do that. If two games in, I want Mannion for multiple seasons. I don't think we're going to get it. But no, but you were saying like it's it's true. He has such a developed offensive game. Well, and when he has when he has that threat to score, it makes the de- he dictates the defense to react to him, which then allows him to take what the defense gives him and facilitates for the rest of his teammates. And when he has Sean Miller's trust, and you've got those you know those freak athletes on the on the wing, and hell, even in the posts. You know, I'm a, I've been on Team Zeke for a while, and that guy is an athletic freak mm-hmm. with an offensive skill set to match uh, for such a young guy. But the fact that he can run the floor, even hell, Christian Coloco when he's gotten on the floor, I don't think he played against Illinois, but that guy can run the floor as well as any seven foot freshman that's been playing basketball for only a handful of years that I've ever seen. But the 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 trust that Miller clearly has in Nico, combined with his, you know. Swagger, if you want to call it that, or cocky. Oh, he was talking wanna... trash out there. Like... I mean, to be honest, that's one of the things I think has been missing also a little bit from the, the, the teams the last couple of years. There hasn't been a dog on those teams, right? You know, like Raleigh Elkins had this tough New York mentality, and I feel like it was almost just like a bleed over of like, well, it's a kid from New York, and so he's basically Kevin Parham, and it's like, but they're not uh, the same. No. They're not the same guys. And, you know, you have athletes that I think, I think top, you know, Top to bottom on the roster, this is probably the most athletic team Sean Miller's had at least since the one that probably should have won before Brandon Ashley breaks his foot. They would have. We all know it. Uh, and and the fact that Sean Miller has so much trust in Nico, and you have those horses, and you know, the thing that came to mind when I, I I also am a huge huge Josh Green fan, and the thing that I see when I see him is 
this is what Nick Johnson would have been if he actually was a wing-sized player because he was a, a wing and a point guard's body. And Josh Green, to me, just has that NBA look already, and he's got the speed, the bounciness, and enough skill set to be a threat as a shooter uh, and enough athleticism and length to be a, a lockdown defender on the wing that, boy, it's fun to watch. Now the downside, if you want to find one in a 90-69 to 69 win. It was nice. But the defense, you could argue, early on, Illinois was making some threes, and I know Arizona struggled to defend the three-pointer so far. This was, Illinois finished 5 of 16, so it wasn't like they lit it up from three-point range. They did shoot 47% from the field, which, not ideal. I, it's nitpicky, right? When you score 90 points, you go 16, you win by 21 points. It's hard to be mad about that. Right. But Sean Miller, and this is what, he probably likes this. It's like, okay, you guys scored 90, that's great. You need to give up fewer points than that. Oh, and, absolutely. And I think this team does have the makings of a good defensive club, but it's like, compared to the best Sean Miller defensive team we saw, and that would have been the Aaron Gordon year. Oh, yeah. When you had T.J. McConnell, who was a red shirt, I want to say junior. So he'd been in the system for a while. He was a veteran, an older guy. Nick Johnson was a junior. You brought in Aaron Gordon, who was a freshman, but he was just a defensive physical freak. You had Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, who was a defensive physical freak. This team is relying on the freshman who... Two games in, they've been everything you hope they would be. They've each, they've all, they, each of these main freshmen, even Coloco, who didn't play against Illinois, but each of the freshmen that have gotten significant minutes have shown why that they're so why they're so excited about them. But you don't expect these guys to come in and be great defensive players right off the bat. So if you want to nitpick, and I think you have to, and if you're Sean Miller, you have to nitpick right now because again, you're, you're ranked nineteenth. This isn't like they're number one. It's not. It, it's all about March, right? Once we all know this, when Arizona has a good basketball team, we almost don't care about what happens between now and March, which is sad, but that's the reality. But if there is room to get better, it's on the defensive end, and you have to think freshmen as they learn the college game and get more used to this will get better on the defensive end. Yeah, and I gotta think that Sean Miller has a big grin on his face when he goes back and watches his offense because that just you know we have so much depth. And we, you and I have had this conversation where this has got to be one of the deepest teams we've had in maybe the, maybe the last 15 years in terms of, I think we go 10, 11 deep. Like, Dutrieve is still not even How do back. you do that? How, how, do you, how do you do what? How do you get that depth? Go 10, you, 11 deep. Like it's, it looks you, like a deep team, yes, and a lot of options. But <laughs> Sean Miller's teams rarely go past eight, even well, in the good years. Well, so I don't... I think, like I was saying, I think Sean Miller's grinning because he now doesn't have to have... Uh, you know, a Brandon Randolph, hey, go take 25 shots because we got to manufacture some offense, even if you're taking questionable shots because we're just struggling to move the ball. The fact that you have that ball movement that will translate, in my mind, against any talent level will allow Sean Miller to say, all right, you want to get on the court? You see the guy next to you? Here's where you separate it. It's on the defensive end. And I think in pe- the last couple years when there wasn't nearly as much depth, guys were playing that if – if they were on this roster, not just for sheer talent level, but just for the fact that we didn't need their their ability to put the ball in the damn hole, <laughs> like because I mean, it, let's be real. There's a couple couple uh, seasons here where it's you know, unless DeAndre Ayton, notwithstanding, but even hell with DeAndre Ayton, sometimes we couldn't get him the ball in the post. And you know, if you have an ability to score, and Sean Miller is willing to loosen the reins to Nico on as a point guard, then he can say, all right, I. You can score 20 points a game, but so can the next seven guys on the roster. Here's where you're going to differentiate yourself, and I think that's where you can really see that growth. And not to just make this a Nico Mannion fanboy podcast, although I think we all love us some Nico Mannion, but when you have a point guard who's such a good distributor, you get the feeling, and again, 
two games in. They've won them both. Everyone's happy. But when you have so many options and guys like Josh Green doesn't seem like the selfish type of guy. His reputation isn't that he needs the ball or he's, or he's not going to be happy. Zeke Naji doesn't have that reputation. That's one thing that, that Schumer always talked about this recruiting class is they're all winners where they came from. They just want to win basketball games. But when you have a point guard like Nico who you get the feeling everyone on the team trusts him to make the right decision. Where Even if that means he's shooting the ball, he's making the right decision. But if you get open, if you do your job, he's going to find you. And you're going to get your chances. So it makes it a lot easier for these guys where, you know, okay, maybe, like Max Hazard, he got six shots against Illinois. He played well. He's not always going to get six shots in a game. And he's a, he came over here one year as a grad transfer, and he's not going to be the superstar on this team, but he knows he's going to get his opportunities. Dylan Smith, he took six shots, and they made two of them in this game against Illinois, but he knows he's going to get his opportunities. He doesn't need to be just jacking up everything and go hero ball on his own because when you have a guy like that, like Stone Gettings took one shot against Illinois. <laughs> he made he was better against NAU. He was a much bigger part of the offense, but yeah. you get this sense. And again, really early, two and zero. Very pleased with that. But this team, these guys, if they're really truly bought in, it's a lot easier to do so when you have a point guard who you say, you know what? If I get open, he's going to find me. And Nico Manon seems to have that vibe to him. Absolutely. And I, I I think when you're talking about like Max Hazard, I couldn't help but think when you said that if you were on last year's roster or the year before. They'd be trying to have him score twenty five points. He'd be a game. their starting point guard, <laughs> and, and and he'd be the starting point guard taking twenty five shots a game. And now you got Jamal Baker, who didn't have to redshirt, so he's kind of the backup point guard. You mentioned Devin Aradutrieve, who Sean Miller said might come back for the Thursday game against San Jose State. I guess by the time you listen to this, maybe we'll know if he is back. But last season, if someone like Dutrieve, who you expected to be a big part of the rotation, missed two games, it would have been the end of the world for that team. I mean, even Absolutely. if he played, it was the end of the world for that team. It wasn't a very good team. But speaking of that depth, like when you were watching them against Illinois and you watched them against NAU, did you even think about them missing Devonair Dutrieve? And not, not to knock Dutrieve because he was their best player in the red-blue game. Excited he came back. This is not to transfer. He looks like he could be a very good player. But did you notice, like, wow, they're really missing that guy? Bluntly, no. No, and that's not, <laughs> and that's not a knock on Dutrieve. I'm not trying to no. make it out that way. Just like this team does have depth. They have Jamal Bayer who can play backup point guard. Yep. They have guys who can score. If it's not Nico one night, it might be Stone Gettings who gets 12 points or Dylan Smith. And that's the beauty of this team as we see it right now is that there's options. There's a lot of guys there who can score the basketball, which wasn't always the case in years past. They have a point guard who, please let him stay healthy this season because this is all... <laughs> <laughs> contingent on that. Uh, I was going to say, like, I feel like I actually think Nico Mannion might have the highest floor and lowest ceiling in terms of an NBA player of all the freshmen, but he is the most critical player on the roster in terms of, you know, being the fuel that makes this offense go. Yeah, like Chase Jeter scored four points against Illinois. Arizona won by 21. I, and that, that's the fun of this team. And that's what we were hoping that previous year, because how many times have we go into the season looking at the watch and say, man, that team has depth. And it was never the case. Or then always it's like, okay, but the other season you're like, oh, they have seven guys they can count on and maybe one and a half where you're like, any given night might be useful. This team right now, their starting five that has been Dylan Smith, Josh Green, Nico Manning, Jeter, and Najee. I think you can rely on all of them to be what you're expecting of them. Then you have Gettings, Lee, Baker, Hazard, Dutrieve. That's another ten. That's another. That's two starting lineups right yeah, there. Yeah, I was going to say that team starts last year. <laughs> and Coloco is didn't even play. And so now he's another guy who is probably deserving of minutes. So to your point earlier, Brett, it's got to be nice for someone to say, you know what, you better try, you better hustle because if you if you slack off, you're going to sit and we're not going to suffer for it because I can yeah. find someone on that bench who can replace you and work twice as hard as you are right now. And who knows if you'll get your spot back? Like it's a luxury to have. 
when you're winning. <laughs> when you're losing, or when you start losing, and I don't think this team's going to lose that much, mm-hmm. but when you lose games, then that's when people start to gripe. But again, it seems like the makeup of this team, and this is just by all what we've read, and Grant, we've read how many seasons going into, like, this team all gets along really well. They like each other. And, I mean, and then it's like... I mean, we, yeah, knew that, we know like, that wasn't true yeah. a couple of those years. But it's like, but so we've heard that a lot, but this team just... just looking at the makeup of it, like they're relying on all these freshmen. There aren't the upper class on this team that are demanding to be stars mm-hmm. that are saying, you know what? I'm the guy I'm going to the like, A lot of these guys are probably going for the NBA next season, but they're freshmen and the team and the veterans, the upper classmen, Max Hazard, he's not care that he's coming off the bench. He, he has one season to play basketball. He came to Arizona to play for a premier program, but he's coming off the bench and he's fine with that stone gettings transferring for Cornell. I get that, but he's coming off the bench. These well, are guys who he were wanted start- a better education. Yeah, clearly. Well, sure. <laughs> I do like to say uh, that U of A is the Stanford of the West. So, <laughs> but, but that's the point, like the makeup of this team. And you kind of get the feeling, or at least the hope is that Schumler got the right makeup. Finally, where he had a, went through those stretches where they had players who were focused on the NBA or more me first or more athletes and not basketball players. And I want everyone's saying, Oh, forget getting five-star recruits. I want the three stars coach. I'm like, no, you want your five-star recruits, but you just want the right ones. And it seems like they got a lot of the right ones from this class. And again, two games in it's Illinois, and NAU that they've beaten. And I guess Chico State, if you want to count the exhibition game, which we probably shouldn't. But it's not... Win's a win, Adam. (laughs) (laughs) But if you, an Arizona fan, after what last season was, and the hope for this season, I'm sure a lot of people are like, you know what, I need to see it before I'll really buy into it. Because again, when you're relying on freshmen, and you've never seen them play at this level, it's hard to say, that guy's going to be great year one, and especially when you're relying on them. But I would have to say two games in, Unless you're what Seth Davis or Jeff Goodman, is it Seth Davis? Jeff, I believe Jeff Goodman was getting into it with some people on Twitter of why he still doesn't want to rank oh, Arizona boy. in there in his uh, AP poll. I mean, if you don't, if you don't want to say Arizona's one of the best ten teams in the country, I'm fine with that because I mean they're ranked 19th right now. But to me, the way they were ranked even 21 preseason was such a sign of respect for Sean Miller that they said, you know what. We believe that this class that you brought to Arizona, brought to Tucson, mm-hmm. is that good. To go from a team that was very average at best last year, on a good day they were average, to now top 25 before even seeing them play a game. You know what? You'll take that. And so it's San Jose State on Thursday, New Mexico State on, I believe, Sunday. That's going to be a tougher one. It's a, but a, I like seeing these matchups game, for yeah. them. It, it's, it's at McHale Center, but New Mexico State, they've been a tournament team. And... I like that because you kind of – we'll see it. But, Nico, man, you mentioned how much he talks trash, how confident he is. How many of these guys on this team relish that opportunity to play the better competition? Like, we just saw Kentucky lost to – who was it? Some Evansville, I think Evansville at home. So, like, but if you have these players who get up – like, you need to be able to play – great even against the lower teams, the lesser teams. But when you have guys who elevate their game when the competition gets tougher, and I think Nico Maiden's probably that kind of guy, then you have to feel pretty good about their chances. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Kentucky fans freaking out that after that loss at home, they drop all the way to number three in next week's bowl. (laughs) 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 That's the beauty of basketball, and we're Arizona fans. We go through this anytime it's a loss, it's the end of the world, and the end of the really, it's it's not. No, and and as an Arizona fan, to, to... kind of tangentially relates to the point you're trying to make. I mean, how well does any Arizona team handle expectations well? I'd rather they be hungry and having fun and like having coming in with that swagger and not coming in with the hype, right? Uh, cause it's that, more fun that way. Well, and it, 
I mean, how much? I mean, let's think back to the DeAndre Ayton year. There was so much pressure on that team, and then all of the stories that came out, and like, there's no there in some alternate universe where all of the ESPN stories and whatnot, and Schlebach or Schlabach, whatever, however you say that dude's name, you know that that guy. I yeah that that he who shall not tweet for two years after that story, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know like who th- that clearly wore on that team that was very yeah, yeah. talented, um, you know. But, but there's something to be said for being hungry. But the th- the the thing that strikes me with the freshman class and the guys that have transferred here is that they're maybe they're just overly confident or they're ignorant of that they should be more intimidated by things, but. There are some there are some athletes on that Illinois team, and they, they you know they got they got they punched back a little bit mm-hmm. early on, especially. But you know what they they got focused, and they they and that was through two games. Can you? When was the last time you remember having so much fun watching an Arizona basketball game? Honestly, like. I would was it, say, was it just before we lost to Wisconsin? <laughs> I would, but even then, those years, and this is why I have a lot of fun early in the season. Even two years ago with the Andre Aiden team, like early in the year before they went to the Bahamas, I was like, "This is fun." But like, I have a lot of fun up until March because then it's like, as long as the a loss doesn't end your season, I can live with them. Mm-hmm. But like, just like the entertainment value of the basketball game. And Grant, I had fun watching Aaron Gordon teams shut opponents down for the last ten minutes of a game. They'd score four points. Oh, they were just a power running team like, in basketball. Like, that was a joy to watch. But in terms of just like three ball, rebound, fast break, layup, give up a bucket, inbound the ball, push the court, get a, le- a dunk. It's like this team has that ability, and we haven't seen that in Tucson for a while. Maybe since the Derek Williams year, his sophomore year, where it seemed like you had that type of player who you were always getting that kind of look. But they weren't a dominant team. They were just a good team that had – I mean, Momo Jones was a fun player to watch. But that, that team was and, all Derek Williams just – you know he would he played out of his mind for the whole season you kept it being like how long can he shoot 57 percent from three-point range like, and then forever goes, and it's like oh I guess. until the nba <laughs> yeah and then then his shooting percentage seemed to drop slightly yeah as, as it as it typically <laughs> does but brett the just anyway the wildcats it's they're two games in they got two games this week the rest of their schedule is we're gonna have some fun i think that's the thing that you want to keep in mind and as we do, make sure you have your seat for the game, especially in McHale Center. You get those seats with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats will be your top source for tickets to every event that you want to go to. So it doesn't have to be just basketball, just U of A. If you want to go to a concert or any other sporting event, you can get your tickets from Vivid Seats. Just go grab their app, and that makes things even better. But also, the best part about Vivid Seats, now besides getting all your tickets, Brett, is that they have a loyalty program that allows the fans to earn a credit back. That means you'll be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, which means every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee, which means the biggest concerts, games, theaters, shows, whatever it is, you'll get on Vivid Seats with that promise of the 100% buyer guarantee. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Make sure that when you do it, the time comes to buy. Enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout, and you'll receive a discount of up to $100 on your tickets so pretty sweet deal. it's vivid seats we're recording from the vivid seats studio but you can get your tickets through them for anything but i'd advise getting arizona basketball tickets because they're a good team this season you could also buy tickets for arizona football oof they do have one home game left it is not this week i mean you could probably buy my season tickets for that last home game if uh, if you're really interested you didn't hear that vivid seats we're not trying to sell brett's tickets we're trying to sell tickets through you <laughs> so we go to, go to vivid seats for that arizona gonzaga game coming up 
we, we threatened you all with Arizona football talk at the beginning of this show. And, Brett, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the fact that the Arizona Wildcats, losers of four straight games, including a disastrous homecoming loss with pretty uniforms to Oregon State, they get to try to rebound and halt the losing skid at Oregon. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so about that, um, I, you know, Arizona beat Oregon last year in Tucson. It was a crazy game that got them back on track to potentially make a bowl game. Arizona has won in Odson before. And this is not me in any way saying that they're going to win this weekend because I just don't see a world where that happens. Yeah, I mean, we're traditionally due for that. You know, we're, we're usually good for every year a game we lose that we shouldn't have lost and a game we win that we shouldn't have won. And, uh, you know, there's only a few few games left, and I don't think <laughs> this is it. <laughs> <laughs> so they're running out of chances for that, that upset victory unless, I guess, Colorado they weren't supposed to beat. Is, was that the upset uh, victory of the season? <laughs> Has it already happened? Because that's just yeah. Sad. I mean, usually in November, right? It's later in the season. Or, or, or did we already lose the two games we weren't supposed to lose, and that balances it out? Because uh. I, I had I had the pleasure of being both at that homecoming loss to Oregon State and the mirror image game in Hawaii, which they both felt very similar, and they had a similar uh, six hundred plus yards of total offense allowed to the opponent, which was. Less than exciting as a uh, U of A fan to watch. Say if you if you like points, it's fine. But if you like Arizona, the points were on the wrongs. I, the hope was that Chuck Cecil, being the defensive coordinator, would spark the defense. And it, I don't think anyone's expecting them him to come and all of a sudden they become desert swarm. That would have been ridiculous. But the hope was they'd be at least put up a fight. Like Oregon State has a good offense, yes, but jeez, the the challenge to me was like. I was hoping there would be a significant change in how you're scheming, how you're trying to manufacture a pass rush. You know, when was the last time you saw a corner blitz from a Marcel Yates defense? I think that's a trick question because the I don't know. I think Lorenzo Burns actually got in the backfield once. Did he? I think so. I think I remember that. He he may have. I I was I had my head in the hand in my hands a lot of that game, so I might have missed a uh, a a play or two, Um, and was also. Uh, in a related story, going to the beer line at Arizona Stadium, um, but the, the the challenge that was that we saw in that game was the same challenges we were seeing earlier in the season. In that, you know, we're getting crossing routes fifteen yards deep that guys five yards off of, and our our safeties are just struggling in coverage. And they're they're good against the run, but boy, you know, teams have figured out moving Jace Whitaker inside to kind of that slot corner slash safety. You know, I forget which one it is. If it's uh, is it Bandit or I think they called Bandit or that's the linebacker one, the hybrid thought, linebacker or, thought, or is safety. That, or, or is that spur? The spur? I thought that was I the think spur. Maybe they have all these different names for things. He's a slot corner. Yeah, <laughs> like that's what they. <laughs> and made the, and the moral of the story is, I think they you know that worked and they adjusted in the second half against Hawaii. But you know, good coaches will be like, oh, here's what you're going to do. Here's my here's my counter to that, and we struggled to react to that. We struggled to win one on one battles, and we struggled. Just across the board. But especially offensively. And I understand Arizona scored, what, 38 points in that game. You'd like to say 38 points should be enough to win most games. And for with a team with a real defense, 38 points should be plenty. But this Arizona team at this point reminds me so much of the early Rich Rod ones, where you knew they weren't stopping anybody, but they would score 45. They would score 50 and be in it, where it's like the offense 
had to keep up. And it's a lot of pressure to put on the offense, yes. And it's almost not fair to say you need to score touchdowns every possession. You can't turn the ball over, and you have to put up points every time. Yet that's the situation they're in. And in theory, this team was supposed to have that kind of offense. You have a healthy J.J. Taylor now. Now, granted, they lost, what, 40% of their offensive line on one play in that game, which was just classic Arizona. Keystone Cops play. Oh, geez, none of their faults either. But still, this is an offense that needs to be better than it has been. And the overall numbers are going to be fine for them by the end of the season. They will be. It's kind of like last year. They were one of the best offenses in the country. They were good, but they weren't as good as they probably were supposed to be, or especially this year and lately need to be. And a big part of that is the quarterback position. Khalil Tate, we've talked about this many times, and it's been brought up on this show how Ronnie and I were both on the Khalil Tate side of things. But I've totally come around. To me, it's a Grant Gannell show right now because Tate, I guess really since the Washington game, I don't think he's been the problem, but he's not the solution. Right. He's shown and a couple of years ago he was such a transcendent player, at least that stretch of games, where he was good enough to make up for the fact that the team around him wasn't all that talented. And even last year, he was good enough to keep them in games. He wasn't good enough to win games for them, but he was good enough to keep them in games. This season, he hasn't even been that. He has, been, he has not been a difference maker in any way, really good or bad, most of this season. I don't know. I would love to do like a case study and know what actually happened here, get the honest answers and know, what, is it a scheme thing? Is it a Tate thing? Is it a combination thing? Like what is the reason he is not even a dynamic type of talent or a game-changing player? But the fact of the matter is he's not anymore, which to me says go with the freshman, go with the guy who's going to be back next season, go with Grant Cannell. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned thinking back to the old Rich Rod years. Who would have thought you'd long for the uh, quarterback play of B.J. Denker when you had Khalil Tate? At least he made a difference. Yeah, I, you know, Khalil Tate is, I think, uh, Michael Lev of the Daily Star called him an, an enigma. And it's, you know, he's the guy that's always tantalizing you with talent. Um, I, I, you know, I I don't know if maybe it's my lying eyes, but I feel like he doesn't quite have that explosion and that acceleration that he used to have. He's still very fast, but it's like it's not the same, and he's not looking to run nearly as much. No, I mean it used to be he'd put a foot like put a foot in the ground and he'd be twenty yards deep. Before he'd make the one read, see it's not open, and take off and run. I mean the the ability for his the the thing that separated him in that magical October run was that that you know he could go from zero to a hundred and about a yard and a half. Oh, by the time you realized he was running, he was 30 yards down the field. Uh, and that's not even really an exaggeration, right? Like, it, it's just what it was. And we saw it in the Stanford game a few weeks ago when he had that long touchdown run. It didn't look like, like he was running fast. No one caught up to him, but it looked like guys were gaining on him. Yeah. And that never happened a couple years ago. And is it injuries? Is it the fact that he's trying to be more of a passer? And to his credit, he has been more apt to try to stay in the pocket and make his reads. Question: Can he make those reads? We don't know. But and that and that's such an interesting thing. But with all that said, like and you hate to bench a senior. Yeah. He came back, and I thought he'd have a big year. I was really confident in that, and he got off to a pretty good start. He was good against Hawaii. He made one bad interception. Like crushing sure interception. It was awful. <laughs> but he also then brought them back and was within a half a yard of tying it up on a run. You're like, wow, that's the, if Khalil Tate plays like that the rest of the season, Arizona has something. And then for the next four games, I know he didn't play in one of them, but he was made some plays. Texas Tech, he had the long run. Made some, and there was otherwise in that the running game. And Colorado, he was excellent against, especially in the second half. But lately, it's just he's just not that guy. It's almost like 
he thrives on confidence and he has none. And yeah. maybe blame the coaches for that because it's their job. It's someone, Mazzoni, and the rest of that coaching staff's job to put their guys in position to succeed. And for whatever reason, Khalil Tate's not. Now, I don't want to put it all in the coaches because if Noel Mazzoni calls a play and Khalil Tate changes it or doesn't run it correctly, doesn't make the right read, or if it's a, if it's a run-pass option, it's like, pull the ball back and run, the end dove, what are you doing, and Tate hands it off, that's not Mazzoni's fault unless he just says, you know what, you're just running this play. Here's a design quarterback run, which we don't know. We're not in those meetings. We're not hearing the play calling, and that's why it's probably a little bit of both. It's probably some Tate, some coaching staff as to why he's not been successful. But at the end of the day, and they have three games left, and yes, if Arizona wins two of the three, they're going to go to a bowl game. If they win the final one against ASU, I think most will be forgiven. But when I look at this team – these final three games, like they're going to lose to Oregon, probably badly. <laughs> what is it like a twenty-five point spread, and it's probably not, not enough, enough at this point. Yeah. To me, there is still something to get from the rest of this season, and that is hope for the future. And I know when you're not having a big season, especially if you're not making a bowl game, I used to say, "Well, you hope for the future because I'll, if not that, what else do you have?" But if they leave this season with a quarterback and Gunnell, I'd like to see more of the next three games against some better opponents mm-hmm. and see how he fares. But if they leave this season with a quarterback, with their stable of running backs, which even if J.J. Taylor, I know there's been some talk, they'll have running backs. With receivers who are just getting better. When you got Jalen Johnson, you got Booby Curry, guys who are starting to emerge. Like Jamari Joyners look good. There's talent There's there. talent offensively where I could say, you know what? I see a brighter future for that side of the football and a consistent future, perhaps with a quarterback who's better at running the offense that Noma's only wants and better at running an offense that can be more consistent. Defensively, I... I'd like to see the better players look like it. Colin Schooler, Tony Fields, these guys weren't having bad seasons. The secondary was fine, except for the safeties. They've been disappointing. Except for except for sixty percent of the secondary. But like the defensive line, Mason's been coming along a little bit. Like there's Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm getting at is just I want to see reason to think that you know what? Even if Arizona finishes with four wins this season, maybe they beat ASU and don't get me wrong, I think they might. Because I don't think ASU's that good either. Yeah. But however the season finishes, that next year, like, give me legitimate reason, not not just fan hope and like, oh, it has to be better. It's going to be better. Why? Because it has to be. No, that's not enough. Give me something that says, you know what? These are building blocks. This is why. Because I'm not in the fire someone camp right now. I don't think two years is enough for him to try to overhaul this program. But if they don't make a bowl game next season, I'd be, depending on how I mean, if there's injuries, there's always facts. It should be a little bit warm. But next season better be a bowl game. And I want to see over these last three weeks reason to believe that next year will at least be a bowl game. I agree with everything you said. I think that there's... makes for great radio. <laughs> no, I, I would I would actually say that the defense for as god awful as it's looked at times, there are interesting pieces for the future. I think the cornerback position has more depth and talent in general than we've had in as long as I can remember. Maybe I mean Bobby Wolf, uh, I mean, Lorenzo Burns has got another year. Uh, Mackenzie Barnes hasn't even been playing much. I don't know if he's been injured. Um, who's the other the other freshman? Christian Roland Wallace has. I like him. He's got, you know, these guys are like athletes that you got you to gotta like that potential because for the last couple of years, half the time, especially with like last year with Chase Whitaker out, you know, how can you run a blitz when you can't trust your corners to cover a guy? You know, you can't trust a corner or expect a corner to cover a guy for more than – seven seconds at most right um but you know we couldn't we were playing 15 yards off on a third and six <laughs> because we're just like i i mean think back to houston 
that game where they're just like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna run my Madden uh, franchise uh, offense, which is throw the hail mary every damn play. Do you ever watch a game like you figure like, okay, these are the coaches, they get paid to do this, they're smarter than I am, they know something I don't, and then it's like third and five, and the defensive backs ten yards off the receiver, like what? Like and, may, and maybe the receiver's route is to just run a fly, just go deep or whatever. It's like, oh, he's not going to stop there. But anybody would see that and be like, hey, I'm going to audible this. Just do a little curl five <laughs> yards down the field, catch the ball, move the chains. <laughs> and you watch, you're like, I know you're smarter than me at this. I know you, you have to be. But what the hell is that? <laughs> are, you, are you trying to convince yourself or, uh, <laughs> that that's the case? Yeah, it better be, right? <laughs> like, I'd like to think these football coaches are smarter than me at defensive or, game planning or, and everything. Or it makes you question the amount of your personal emotional uh, in, uh, security that you invest <laughs> in these coaches' decisions. But, like, like, but that's your point. Like, when was the last time you saw a corner blitz from Marcel Yates? And defensively, they don't have the talent. And if you're... Kevin Summon, your job is to improve the talent, and I think he has. Or at least they look more like Pac-12 athletes than the smaller guys that Rich Wright had. So it takes time. Whether they're better players or not, we'll find out in the future. But one thing, and this is where I guess if you're going to question someone, and I, I question things, I'm not ready to kick him to the curb yet, but I like to have a coaching staff that can scheme their way through a lack of talent. Rich Rodriguez, for all his faults, offensively, he could scheme his way through. That's where his system came from, was you have smaller players. You know what? Let's spread them out. Let's go fast and make these big, lumbering athletes have to stay on the field longer. We'll beat them. I think Noel Mazzoni's a good offensive coordinator. I don't know if he's special. Defensively, what did Marcel Yates do to manufacture pressure? What did he do? And there are times they sent a blitz and they don't get home, and then you're in real trouble. Like, that's happened. Not to say they've never blitzed. They have. Yeah. They just don't get there. So there's a, there's a real talent. Like, there's a question there especially in the defensive line for the pass rush but i'd like to think there's a way for coaches and that they could find a coach staff and that's where the defensive coordinator hire for someone's going to be interesting to find someone who could say you know what maybe the talent isn't as good but i'm gonna be a master play caller and a master schemer you need that and and i would add uh developer of talent that'd uh, be nice too yeah well i mean i think that's what you have to have at arizona because you're not going to get you know, ten five star guys, you're gonna maybe get a handful of four stars, but you need <laughs> even well, that's being well, optimistic. And that's and that's, and that's, and that's optimistic. But you, what you need is are those you know three star guys you can develop into good players. And I, I think your point is well taken in terms of scheming. And all I ask is that our next defensive coordinator does not continue to rush three against Washington State while they drop seventy five points on us for how many straight years. Because I was also at that game last fall, and it was oh, like you, nine you degrees. You went to Pullman. Well, my my fiance and her family, well, her parents lived there, and might as well go up there for that game when we're going up there for Thanksgiving. But that was so maybe uh, you're the problem. I mean, to be fair, I was also at the LSU game where Willie Tuitama almost died. <sighs> so I, I apologize. To Arizona I, I, you've been to some wins. I was there to verify. Like you've been to some wins as well. So you're not the reason they give up 65 points a the, game. Uh, the, my working hypothesis is: the farther I travel, the more painful the loss. <laughs> Not, I, uh, not and not just by the cost of uh, sheer miles traveled. Just like, oh boy, this was bad. <laughs> not including games at ASU. I've only been to one U of A road football game because I always made a point. I'm like, was I don't want to UCLA last year. Two, actually two. Ah. I went. The first one I went to was UNLV like six years ago, 
And Kadeem Carey, his first game when he was suspended for like the first game and then the first half of the next game. And Arizona, I'm like, because I didn't want to go travel to watch UA football lose. And I never felt confident in UA football winning. Yet I did go to the UCLA game last year and that <sighs> J.J. Taylor fumbling at the one-yard line. Brett Ryan, oh, geez. That... Anyway. Remember that time we almost won a game? <laughs> many, many times like that. But, Brett, before we come back with our final prediction for the Oregon game, we're actually oh. going to give a score, so you give some time to think about it. Let's do one more spot. And, Brett, football season is nearing its end, but basketball is looking pretty good. And if you haven't gotten any of the action, now is the time. Check out the latest from our friends at mybookie.ag. You know, of course, in addition to traditional spreads and totals, which we're all familiar with, you can do quarters and halves, periods on the ice, player props, which include points, yards, or goals. You got PGA, NASCAR, soccer, and more. If it's a sport, if you can bet on it, mybookie.ag will have it. Of course, now is the best time to get in on the action. Sign up at mybookie.ag and use the promo code OVERTIME, and they will match your first deposit. Again, that's promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. mybookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, welcome back, Brett. It's time to do a thing that Ryan and I have done for every show when we preview a, a football game. And fortunately, we don't keep track of how good we are at this because I'm sure we're not. Um, I know I'm not. I can't speak for Ryan. That would be rude of me to assume that he's been wrong. But I, we've gotten better lately. We were wrong about the Oregon State games. We expected a win in that one. But the games before that, I think we were pretty spot on in terms of wins and loss. Arizona at Oregon. The line is around 28 points, 27 and a half as I'm staring at it right now. Oof. <sighs> what's, what's the over-under on this? Uh, 68 and a half, which means I think most of them are predicting like 61 to 7. What, prop, what's, the prop, what's the payout on a prop bet that Oregon scores more than the over-under themselves? <laughs> <laughs> well, if my, <laughs> my bookie.ag may have that one. <laughs> So you want to check them out because you can find all sorts of prop bets there, and that might be one of them. But, Brett, I, you know, Arizona's coming off the bye week, which means a little bit more time for any changes Chuck Cecil wanted to make to be put in. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be to start, although we can at least expect if it's Gunnell, if he plays well, I can't see Tate getting in the game. And I'm just over the whole Tate play, so the first couple series doesn't do anything eventful, and then Gunnell comes in and is the rest of the way. But... I almost feel like it doesn't matter. None of us, like Oregon's got a good defense. I'm not a big Justin Herbert fan, but he's been great this season. I, Justin, Justin Herbert is the most overrated quarterback in I Pac-12. feel like it, and yet he's been good this season. I was, from I, his 2,400 I, I, yards, 24 touchdowns, two interceptions. Man, I don't know. I was, I was at the, when we shocked them uh, last season, he was awful. Awful. And you know there's a there's a difference when you're at the game and you can actually like see what they're hypothetically seeing across the field and you can kind of see where they're missing reads and missing with inaccuracy and oh boy, it was rough. Now, on some of the stats here, Oregon scores about 38 points a game, Arizona about 33, so they're only 5-point difference in offensive production, but Oregon also gives up 16 points a game. Uh, Arizona gives up 16 points a quarter. I'm <laughs> kidding, 37 a game, so not quite 16 a quarter. That would be probably what we're expecting on Saturday um, in Autzen. But <sighs> when you look at this one, Brett, I know no one can predict a win. You, you, you just can't. I know. You can maybe take Arizona with the points and hope for the best. But 
it's just hard to imagine where we're Oregon, who's playing for a playoff berth right now. They right now, and geez, if you're a Pac-12 person, you're probably rooting for them or Utah to make the playoffs. Like you want Arizona to beat these teams, and you're the same. You're like, kind of like to see a Pac-12 team make the playoff. I, I wouldn't be mad if Arizona won either of these games or won their last three. That'd be great. But I just Oregon's you, too you good. Wouldn't be mad if they won three straight. I, I would not be upset. Oh, man, hot take. <laughs> on Wildcat Radio 2.0 we want the Wildcats to win they're not what, going to what though. a homer they're, they're not going to beat Oregon no we'll it's, be lucky if they're competitive I yeah the number the, the, the score that jumps into my mind is not a good one and the I, I think they'll show a, my gut tells me they'll show some fight early on and then they'll you know they'll be the the little kid that throws a punch at the bully and then the the bully that's three times the size is just going to teach them a lesson and it's going to be like 52-17. I kind of <laughs> picture the scene from Spaceballs towards the end when Dark Helmet has his Schwartz ring out in Lone Star, like loses his and Dark Helmet starts swinging the, like the lightsaber at him. He just holds his helmet. Like Dark Helmet then just can't reach him. It's like, you know, like that's what I see. It's like, Oregon's good. Arizona yeah. isn't. Oregon's at home. Oregon has something to play for other than play, being spoiled. And I know that it's nice to be the spoiled, to play loose. But Arizona just, I see Arizona coming with, if they're going to pull off an upset over these last few weeks, it's going to be either in Tempe, which I don't know if would be a huge upset. Right. But it'd be at home against Utah. Yeah. Because I, it's a lot easier to play loose in front of your home fans. You get a couple of touchdowns early. Maybe it's like, kind of like last year against Oregon. Also, it's like the momentum builds and all that. It's hard to imagine that happening. Even if Arizona gets the ball to start this game and whoever's at quarterback leads into a touchdown drive, you're not going to watch them and say, this is it. Because Oregon is that good. So you said 52-17. Yeah, that's really not optimistic. No, but I almost feel like... <laughs> is that like, generous? <laughs> I'm going to... I'll say... Let's see. I'll say... Carry, f- carry the one. 55-20. But not even that close. <laughs> You just like prices riced me and added just three one dollar <laughs> twenty thousand and one. <laughs> but, but that's just it. Like, and I guess even if Arizona gets beat that badly, if Gunnell goes in and plays fairly well, looks like mm-hmm. the stage isn't too big for him, then at least you're leaving with something. That's what I think. These last three games, the ASU game is about beating ASU and reclaiming the territorial cup. Don't get me wrong. There's no moral mm-hmm. victory there. You either beat them or you don't. But just for the program. This would be a good game to go up and show some fighting. Show that they yeah. ha- you haven't quit on this coaching staff. That's another thing. If Arizona just rolls over these last three weeks, it's like, then maybe I, you do have to make a change. I, but I, think, I don't want to see that. I'm, I don't expect we will, but they're going to look bad against Oregon. My, what I was, I, I was, was going to say is along the same lines. I, what I want to see out of this, and I'm sure the coaches, you know, they're, they're not dumb. I mean, they're not playing 20 yards off on third and six. They're only playing 15 yards off. You know, they're you don't want to give up the big play. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think this game can be, you know, kind of a gut check for a lot of guys on the roster and be like, for the seniors, are you going to go down swinging at least? Or for the young guys, do you really want to be here? And I think there's going to be – I think there's, I think this game is going to sort out for the coaching staff and the players in, the, in you know, in their heart of hearts who – who who cares and who wants to be who wants to be in this fight? And if you if you sort that out for this game, I feel much better going into the last two games of the season. Say so this one is on ESPN. It's a late game, fortunately, which means fewer people will be up to watch it. 
Why do we? Why are we always on national TV when it's just going to be a damn disaster? And then it's on Pac-12 Network when we. Uh, to be fair, most most have been a damn disaster. Well, which means the odds are in your favor that if you're ever on national TV, it's going to be a damn disaster. Your math checks out. <laughs> but so neither one of us are expecting a win in football. We're both excited about basketball. So, guys, there's still something to play for football-wise, but focus on basketball. Hey, Dale and Terry signed his uh, letter, letter of intent. Uh, yeah, so we, they got one recruit for next season. I, I, was, I was told Sean Miller stopped recruiting two years ago. I heard that too. That's that's weird. I heard it from a guy who has a friend named Look. What an odd name! <laughs> oh, it rhymed with Look. I apologize. <laughs> well, Brett, thanks for joining the show. I'll have to have you back. Thanks for having me. It's been um, fun. Whatever happens this weekend with Arizona sports, we're going to do it all again. This all again next week and talk about it. But until then, bear down. Bear down. If you have Vivid Seats Rewards, you go to the App Store, you get Vivid, the Google Play or whatever it is, however you get the app. I'm really bad at these live read things, by the way. <laughs> they still have plenty of games to play. And if you haven't gotten the action, now is the time. Check out the latest from our friends at mybookie.ag. That's the place you're going to want to go to as the season ends. My email just didn't load all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> we'll 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 handle this in post production. Yeah, we're gonna uh, something about my bookie.